0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 2nd of April 2017, entitled, Jesus Speaks from the Cross, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from John, chapter 19, verses 16 to 30. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Open our Bibles this evening for our scripture reading, and for those that uh, yeah were here Sunday before last, we began just a short series on Sunday evenings, which simply entitled, Jesus Speaks from the Cross. Jesus speaks from the cross as we look at those last seven statements that our Lord uttered while He was hanging there on the cross. If you'd like to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 19, the Gospel of John chapter 19, we'll begin reading in verse 16, and we'll read down through verse 30. I invite you to stand this evening to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word, again from John chapter 19, beginning in verse 16. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And They took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha where they crucified him and two other with him, on either side one and Jesus in the midst. Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. The writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was, was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots, these things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar. They filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Father, thank you again this evening that we can have the opportunity of reading from your word, your word that you have preserved for us. That we have your spirit within that can give us understanding, that can speak to our hearts. Lord, you know every individual here this evening. You know what the needs of everyone is. So, Father, as we commit this time into your hands, we pray that, Lord, you would do that work that only you can this evening. Speak to every individual. Give them that which they need so that, Lord, in all that we do, we might better glorify you. We might better serve you we might better allow Christ to be seen through our lives. For it's in his name that we pray, amen and amen. We said as we began looking at this passage, which hopefully is not a strange or unusual passage to anyone that's a Christian, one of the first things that we have to come to understand uh, to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is to understand that what he accomplished. What we're reading about right here in the gospel of John chapter 19 is our only hope for salvation. There is no other hope. We said when we began this series that often when people are facing severe pain, that that's when a person's true colors often shines through. They don't have time to think about things when they're in that agony Sometimes it brings out the very worst in a person because that's the true colors. But it's also true that sometimes it can bring out the very best. It brings out that which, you know, when we stop and think, we've even used the term many times, the words of a dying man. They seem to carry more weight because they're the words of a dying man because he has no reason. He has no reason to lie. He has no reason to to make anything up if he knows he's leaving this world. But of course, this is one dying man that we read about here that we know that he didn't stay dead. But most of us, when we leave this world, that is our dying breath until that that time that we have that hope that one day we will be raised when Jesus comes back for us again. This reading before us is without any shadow of a doubt. The unfolding of the greatest event in all of history, the event that time is measured by. All time is split split that time before this event and the time following this event. As a matter of fact, the whole of our Christian faith, everything that We believe every hope that we have in this world and that to come. Anything that makes it worth being a Christian, it hinges on what we read about in these three days right here in the Word of God. Our faith is based upon the events of those three days our faith that when Jesus hung up on the cross and when he did take his final breath, that the blood that he shed was sufficient sacrifice for our sins. The hope and the belief and the faith that three days later when they found the empty tomb, that then that was the proof above all proofs that Jesus was who he said he was that Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he made was sufficient for God himself. I had someone ask me following the service this morning when we were looking at the great persecution that came upon the church at Jerusalem. And we were thinking along the fact that if we live godly lives here in this earth, the Bible tells us that we will face persecution. And of course, somebody asked me, have you ever faced persecution? Real persecution. And of course, if we're honest to that, we would almost undoubtedly have to say no. We face persecution, but there's a great level of persecution. You see, the world can come against us. And as we stated this morning, when they see Jesus Christ in us, whether it's their sins or our sins, it's not comfortable when we are faced with those things we have to recognize those things and we have to own up to them it's never comfortable but the reality is that Jesus Christ when he died there on that cross yes those disciples that were there there are many that would say well he didn't really die he just passed out then after they put him in the tomb then They went and stole his body and took it away somewhere and carried it away. And he wasn't really dead in the first place. Others would say that it was just all staged, that it was made up in order to start this new religion. I would remind them that though you and I may never have faced persecution on the level that even as we sit here in our comfort this evening, There are many believers around the world that are facing real persecution just simply because they believe, ironically, through history. It's often those that face the strongest and the worst and the hardest persecutions that end up shining the brightest because it gets rid of the chaff real soon. The artificialness, the fake, is all gone. And it gets down to those that really genuinely believe believe. Have we ever faced real persecution? No. We face persecution if we live godly. The others may laugh at us and they may spit at us and they may make fun of us. And I know some that have lost their jobs and I know some that have lost positions and things like that, but not the persecution that so many would have to face to stand up, to own their faith to the point that only to deny the Lord Jesus could they hope to succeed in life and many times even live in life. Everything, everything, every hope. You see, I say to those, we are just two weeks away from that great celebration of the resurrection. Those 12 men that were the followers of Jesus while they were here Okay, if you don't accept the Word of God, if you don't accept the Bible, because it doesn't tell us how all those men departed this world, but history records it for us. And of all those men that were chosen to be the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one that was privileged to die of natural causes was John, the very one that we read about here, the one that stood there with the mother of Jesus and took her into his own home after this event. He got to die a natural death, but it was locked away on the Isle of Patmos, isolated from everywhere else because that was his prison, that was his jail. He was exiled to that place. All of these others that followed the Lord Jesus Christ, it cost them their lives. They literally, they were crucified. They left this world in cruel ways. History tells us, and I have no way of knowing for sure, that Peter and possibly some of the others, that they wouldn't even allow themselves to be crucified right side up because they didn't deserve to die in the same way that their Savior did. These events, my friend, if you take these out of the Bible, we have no hope. We have nothing. Our faith is hopeless The Bible teaches us that if the dead rise not, then we are a most pitiful people. We are a people to be pitied because we are wasting our time with this thing that we call Christianity. Well, I say to you that as Jesus hung on that cross, he did really die. And as he hung there in his dying breast, his true colors did shine forth. We saw that the first things that even proceeded out of his mouth, if you're there and you know, you know that you're dying, what's the most important things that are going to come out of your mouth? Well, with Jesus as in life, so was it in death that it was always others first before himself. We saw in the last sermon that the first words that he uttered were those words that were uttered for the very people that were persecuting him and putting him to death, his very enemies, when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These people that were putting him through, the cross was there for a reason. The Romans designed the cross for a reason because it was the most cruel punishment that they could come up with. And yet, as Jesus was humiliated before the world as he faced this most horrible death. His first thought was those that were doing this to him, that they might be forgiven because they truly had no idea what they were doing. We saw that likely his second statement that he made from the cross we saw that there were two that we read here that were hung on either side of him. Two thieves. Two thieves that deserved their punishment. They even argued about that as they talked back and forth. There's so much to be said there. <laughs> you see, these two thieves, obviously from the first things that they began talking about, they knew who Jesus was supposed to be. They even looked and they mocked him and they said, <laughs> You know, if you're who you say you are, why don't you come down off that cross and, and bring us down with you? They saw the same things, they saw Jesus. They heard the same things. But we find that one of them accepted and received, and one rejected. Today, many people they hear the same gospel. They're told of the same Jesus. Some receive and some reject. But one of these came to believe that Jesus really was who he said he was. And there in his dying breath, he's the one that began to stand up against the other thief. That, hey, we deserve what we're getting. But this man, he doesn't deserve this. And when he looked at Jesus and he asked him to remember him, to remember him when he came into his kingdom. And that's when Jesus spoke his second statement from the cross, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Today. One died and went to be with Jesus in paradise. The other one went to be in eternal torment. Jesus hanging there. Others first, his very enemies. The ones that hang there in the, Last words they had done was to mock the Lord Jesus Christ, but when that one came to believe that Jesus was who he said he was and ask him, he was there to answer. Just as he's there to answer, we may have had terrible lives We may have mocked and made fun of everything that Christianity stands for, but all we have to do is turn to Jesus Christ. The great songwriter says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. (laughs) That one thief turned his eyes upon Jesus that day. Jesus said, today, today shalt thou be with me in paradise we find that he did you see his first statement from the cross it was relating to forgiveness concerning every sinner's greatest need forgive them for they know not what they do his second statement from the cross related not to the forgiveness but to the future concerning Every saint's greatest fear, that last enemy, that one of death. That thief knew that he was dying on the cross, but Jesus said, Today, you're going to live with me in paradise. Today, you're going to be with me. Forgiveness, future. His third statement relates to the family, concerning possibly man's greatest responsibility that he has in this life. He said there in verse 25, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Now John wasn't her natural son. You know, the Bible tells us in this world all that we may lose. Then he goes through the list. But we recognize that God always gives back in more abundance anything that it costs. Can you comprehend? We said this morning in prayer time Can you comprehend what it's like to see your own child die and leave this world before you? Mary stood before the cross, and as she saw her son in the agony, all these things they were doing from him, he was there in front of her. She saw him not just dying, that's bad enough, but she, she saw how he was suffering. She saw the agony that he was in. It's like Jesus saying, Mother, I'm not going to be with you anymore, but this will be your son now. John's going to care for you like he were your own son. And he turned to John, then saith he to the disciple, behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Concerned for the practical needs of the mother of his humanity. I know we can never fully grasp and understand how This person on that cross could at the same time be totally, completely 100% God, and yet at the same time be 100% man in his humanity. You see, Mary wasn't the mother of God, as many of our Catholic friends and others would pray and have us to believe. You see, She had a great work in this life that shouldn't be sold short. She was the mother of Jesus' humanity. Not the God part, but the man. And here during his greatest sorrow, facing this burden, remember there even in the garden as he was sweating great drops of blood, he said, Father, if it be possible for this cup to, to pass from me, but not my will, but thine be done. In Jesus' humanness, there was nothing that he looked forward to on the cross of Calvary. But as the Son of God is God incarnate in the flesh, he knew. He knew before man was even created, God's plan, God's eternal purpose that he would come and do what we could not do for ourselves. Nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in Scripture, does Mary get called mother by the Lord Jesus Christ. Nowhere. I don't know about all this Mariology and all these things, and they will give their own answer to God. I can only tell you this. I know enough about it to know that it's not in the Word of God. It's not there. You see, even at the circumcision of Jesus, Simeon had recognized who Jesus was, and he warned Mary of the pain that was going to come to her because of what lay ahead for Jesus Christ. As Jesus looked upon his mother and he saw her pain, his thoughts were not for the pain that he was feeling, the agony. And believe me, in his humanity, he felt it all. His concern was for his mother, that she be taken care of. He knew that she would be okay in the future with him, but he was concerned for her right now in the present, the time that she was here on this earth. I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but most Bible scholars believe that the reason that this is happening here is because that Joseph was already dead at this time, that Mary didn't have a husband because he was looking for somebody else to care for her, which was the typical thing for a widow, not someone that had a living husband. Jesus knew the heart of John. He knew who he could count on. I thought as I was reading this and even putting these notes together, you know, when Jesus looked down from the cross, he knew that John would do what he asked him to do today. Can Jesus count on us in the same way? Can he count on us in the same way that he did, John? He was making arrangements here for the care of this one that he cared so much about. We find that he also made arrangements for you and I just as he did uh, his mother. I would remind you that as we look back into that great passage just a few pages before this, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, you see, there hanging up on the cross, he was concerned for his mother. What I want you to grasp is this same care that as he hung there, as he was thinking of her, he had already expressed that same kind of care for you. When he said, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. He says, whether I go, ye know. And the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Lord, what's wrong with you? We don't know where you're going. He was preparing them. He knew the Garden of Gethsemane was just ahead. He knew that Calvary was just ahead. Lord, Lord, we don't know what's going on here. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. In other words, Jesus is saying, you can't separate me from God the Father. You've seen me, you've seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father. And it suffices us. Lord, Lord, you you show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, as he would possibly have to say so many times today, have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? How many times does Jesus look at us and say, I've been with you so long and you still don't know me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou? Show us the Father. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verse 12 that you've heard me mention many times. Awesome. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me. Does that include you this evening? He that believeth on me, the works that I do, Jesus said, shall he do also. He that believeth on me, the works that you see me do, he will do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, Jesus. Jesus said, have I been with you so long that you don't know who I am? Do you not understand who I am, that you can't separate me from the Father? And he goes on to to explain to them, believe me, for the very work's sake. You see, today, we make a lot of things important in life. But you've heard me say before, We've looked at it in dealing with different subjects. If God didn't have a use for you, if He didn't have something for you to do right now, there's not a one of us here that wouldn't be better off to take our last breath right now. Now, that would leave behind a lot of people that may be sad to see you go. But there's not a soul that wouldn't be better off in heaven. You see, I'm saying, If you're a child of God, it's never better in this life. We're here because God still has us here for a reason. He has a purpose for your life. If He didn't, He'd take you on to be with Him where you'd be far better off than all the problems and the struggles and the difficulties of this sin-cursed world. The believer doesn't have a problem. That's why we don't fear death. We don't have to now... Most of us don't go rushing it along, trying to put in our order to get in on the the next page of those that are leaving. But we don't have to be afraid of it. We know what's beyond it. But Jesus here, as he's facing death, even as he's concerned for his earthly family, that his mother be cared for, we find that he had that same concern for you, and he tried to prepare us here and. How could you possibly do greater works than Jesus did? That's not just some made-up words to fill space. Well, he goes on to explain that to you. He says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter, another paraclete, another to come alongside you. Yes, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to go. But you need to understand this. You see the works that I've done while I've been here in this fleshly body. Greater than these are you going to do because I'm going to the father. Why? Because I'm sending another to come alongside you, the Comforter, the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And reality is that he may abide with you forever. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. When you've got one, you've got them all. You've got God, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. What I'm sending you, the world can't have. Neither they know him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Why are we going to do greater works than these up until this point? Oh, yes, the Holy Spirit came and divinely worked through men, worked through women, did those things that he came to do. Something different here. He's talking to all, and he said, He will dwell with you. He will be in you. I, (laughs) he's going to come. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, Jesus. He says, yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but ye shall see me because I live, ye shall live also. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me and I in you. Now it's no longer just God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, but now you're right in there with them, one with them. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judah saith unto him, not, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? How is it, Lord, that we're going to see you and we're going to know you, but the world's not going to. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. I'm leaving. I'm sending another, but I'm going to be with you. If a man knows me, not only is the Spirit going to be there, that other paraclete, and only am I going to be there, but my Father will love him, and he will come unto him and make our abode with him, me and the Father. We're going to make our abode with them. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost. Now, pause for just a second. The Comforter which is the Holy Ghost. You know, oftentimes when I'm having to deal with, uh, with our Muslim friends, whether it be on the doors or whether it be in the open air on the streets or whatever, or whether it be just somebody that you run into. You see, they're taught that what Jesus was promising here when he was going to send that other, that comforter, that paraclete, that that was Muhammad. That was his promise of sending the prophet Muhammad to be the last prophet. And that Jesus himself was the one that promised that. But the comforter Mine don't say which is Muhammad. Mine says which is the Holy Ghost. Of course, they think that's just something that we have changed in God's word. Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. But back to where he started in verse 1. You see, John was concerned about the care of his mother. Jesus always expressed, we have, we have possibly our greatest responsibility in this life is how we treat and care for our family. How that we interact with our family. The responsibility. As a matter of fact, for the husband, the, the Bible says if a man won't supply for his own house, then he's worse than an infidel. He's worse than a lost man out there. We have the abiding spirit. Now time is, is, is slipping by, and, and, and we don't have time to read all of it, but I can promise you that if you turn to Hebrews chapter 1, and if you look at the promises that God has for us there, we find that As we begin reading, he says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past under the fathers by the prophets, we've got it in the Old Testament, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. He spoke in the Old Testament through the prophets. He's spoken now by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being and the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, whom he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for to which of the angels said he at any time that that thou art the Son this day, and if you read on down, you'll find out that there's this whole angelic host that you know, they're ministering. And, you know, the Bible teaches us that, <laughs> you ought to be careful, sometimes we will entertain angels unawares, unawares. We have the abiding spirit within us. Jesus sent that to care for us just like he cared for his mother there now in this life. He also sends us these angelic hosts, the the ministering angels that are there. Sometimes we wonder if we've met an angel. Sometimes we never even know what God has done. I could tell you time and again in my life when I'm absolutely certain that God has had an angel there to protect me, to protect my family, to do those things that were totally out of my control. The psalmist wrote to us in Psalm 91, he said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. What's the almighty capital A in your Bible? That's God himself. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, and from the noisome pestilence he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wing shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor by the arrow that that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that waketh in darkness or the destruction that that wasteth at noontime. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's the promise to you. Just as he gave that promise to his own mom there hanging on the cross as he looked to others, realized what Jesus was doing in all that he was doing, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He did it all. His purpose everything that he did, the miracles were great, the phenomenal stuff that he did, his teachings, there's been no other like him, but that's not why he came. He came to save you and to save me, to save sinners from their sin. But when we believe and we belong to him, his care for you goes on just like it did for his mother as he hung there upon that cross. We find that Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1. Notice what Peter said in verse 23 to 25. He said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruption by the word of God, which liveth and abideth, Forever, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord, wow, what's that say? The word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You see, that same Jesus that uttered those words, That same Jesus is the one that sent the abiding spirit to dwell in you, to be in you, that has those angelic hosts there ministering to you, that promises you that God the Father is there in all the power. You don't have to be afraid of what man can do unto you. You don't have to be afraid of whatever circumstances that you might face because Jesus is the one that cares for you. Jesus that showed that love from the cross, he's still showing that love today. You have the word of God. It encompasses everything. I had somebody talking to me this morning. They were talking about, of course, there are many today that believe they get new insight, that God shows them things that he hasn't given to this. You know, I've had the best-meaning people, and I don't say it to be nasty, come up to me and tell me that, you know, God told me to tell you that this is what he wants of you. Funny thing, God hasn't told me yet. Why didn't he just speak to me? I mean, I talk to him all the time. People mean well. What am I saying to you? I'm saying, friends, this abideth forever. You can count on it. It's there. It's there for you. All of these first three statements of Jesus from the cross, they were showing his concern for others, for the... Forgiveness of sins that each and every individual needs for the future that every saint has no need to fear whatsoever for the family, the care. When you become part of God's family, you see just as Mary in the family of Jesus as he cared for there. You're adopted into the family of God the moment you become a child of God. Jesus has that same care for you today. He's still concerned with our forgiveness, with our future, and with every present need and comfort that you might have. That's the Jesus. I want to remind you as we look at these simple statements, I want to remind you tonight that Jesus' greatest concern, even in his worst moment, was for you, for your forgiveness, for your future, for your care right now, whatever it is, wherever you are. And I look at all of you this evening, and as far as I know, you look good to me. As far as I know, you're saved, and you're on your way to heaven, and I hope and pray that's true. Friend, you don't have to wonder about that. You don't have to question that this evening. But your faith and trust can only be in one place, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. When they put him in his worst place, his thoughts were still of you, as they always have been and they always will be. His love for you is real. What about your love for him? Father, we thank you this evening that, Lord, as we just remind ourselves of the words that Jesus spoke when he hung there on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. As he hung there asking for forgiveness for the very worst enemies that he had on earth. As he looked to that thief and said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And as he looked to his mom, he looked to John, showed him that care that he had for them there, looking out for his mother's welfare here. Lord, so many things in the Bible show us that That's the kind of care he wants for each and every one of us. He cares so much. Help us this evening to be reminded of his great love. May that make us love all the more. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.